The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. Hey, hey, welcome. Disability Law Show. So good to have you along for the next hour. Excited about the show. We got some good stuff on the show today, so so stick around for sure. Your email might appear on a future show, but regardless, if you just want to send one along for your own personal information and to reach out to Savan Tamarkin, uh, co-founding partner, Sanfiru Tamarkin, LLP, the most positively reviewed law firm in the country. That is help at disabilityrights.ca. Real simple. The phone number too. Toll free to reach uh, Savannah and his team at the firm 1-855-821-5900. Always encouraged to call with any questions. Have a, a confidential lengthier conversation if you want, uh, but same number applies. 1-855-821-5900. We got a pile of emails and other um, questions coming also via mydisabilityquestions.com. That uh, website, by the way, is free and anonymous for you to use and the sweet spot is the fact that it's got a searchable database which means that a question previously uh, or at least similar to yours may have previously been asked and answered so it'll save you some time and you can simply read the uh, the in-depth reply that one of uh, savant's team left again my disabilityquestions.com but before we get into our uh, chat about what an ime is well, I mean, if you're in the military, it's individual meals to eat. But I think it's a completely different animal when you're talking disability law. So we'll get to that. But first, Savannah, we always talk about the week that was. What do you got, pal? John, uh, it's been a very busy week uh, with people contacting me from across uh, BC and Alberta. And, of course, we have lawyers and offices in both provinces. And we help people with their long-term disability claims. Uh, and, you know, one of the things that jumped out at me this uh, this week is that I had a few calls and emails uh, unusually high number from individuals who are professionals, veterinarians, uh, architects, engineers, uh, even a lawyer and a doctor, all of whom uh, called me because they had issued they had issues with their long-term disability insurers. Either they were denied their claims or they were cut off with their LTD benefits. And uh, what's interesting is they had uh, private policies. So, you know, oftentimes when somebody calls us for a long-term disability issue, uh, in many cases, it's a long-term disability policy and claim that they have through their health benefits at work. It's part of the health benefits package. You know, you have physio, massage, etc. You also have short-term and or long-term disability coverage. But when you don't have that, or even if you do have that, sometimes you opt to get your own private insurance, the way you get house insurance, travel insurance, and the like. So these individuals are all professionals and they're all high earners and they all got their own separate policies and uh, these policies can be a bit more complex and they can also provide higher end benefits. What I mean by that is that it's easier to claim some of those benefits for the long term for these professionals and all of them wanted to know if you know we deal with the usual type of policies LTD issues that come up, or we also deal with professionals. And I told them, no, we actually deal a lot with professionals. We deal with everyone and anyone that has any problem with long-term disability. If your insurance company cuts you off or your insurance company tells you to do something you're not supposed to do uh, and you disagree or they want you to be seen by their own doctor or whatever the concern is, we can help. And the way we help, first and foremost, is we give you information. We speak with you or we interact with you by email, which, whatever form uh, you know, you'd like to engage. We can do Zoom, we can do in person, we can do by phone, whatever. We, we speak to you about your case. It's all confidential. 
right? Solicitor-client privilege. Uh, we're all lawyers. This is what we do for a living. We, we deal with long-term disability insurance companies, and we give people information on how to deal with those insurers. It's often an unfair imbalance of power, right? You versus the insurance company. Well, guess what? We are here for you. We have a lot of resources on our webpage. One of them, John, we talked about before is uh, uh, ltdfaq.ca, where we have memos that we've created for free. You can just download any one of them. Uh, So again, we deal with professional claims all the time, professional policies, LTD policies, but we deal with any kinds of policies. So if you or someone you know is having issue, any issue with their long-term disability insurer, we can help, period. And again, reaching out, 1-855-821-5900, 1-855-821-5900, toll-free, help at disabilityrights.ca. Um, I mentioned off the top, IME, a lot of confusion about what they are and how to navigate these. Uh, an IME, what is it, Savannah? How do you deal with them as well? So first of all, I want to go back to what I said before, which is we have that website called LTDFAQ, Long-Term Disability, Frequently Asked Questions.ca. There is a memo there that specifically deals with IMEs, and it's basically the most frequently asked questions that we get asked by members of the public about IMEs. And so you can go there if you want to get a synopsis, a summary of what I'm talking about. But in short, for anyone who's not familiar with this uh, acronym, IME stands for Independent Medical Examination. And you've heard me say this many times before, you, John, and the listeners, it's these are anything but independent. What it is essentially is an insurance company telling you, we want you to be seen by one of our people, our doctor, our our physiotherapist, our occupational therapist, uh, our assessor, whatever, someone that they selected and they are paying to do an assessment on you, either to meet with you and do an assessment and review your medical file, or sometimes they don't even actually even meet you. They just do a paper review. They look at your medical records and give the insurance company their opinions. Here's the problem with IMEs and why I say that they're not independent. And I'm talking now not not just as a lawyer, John, who helps people uh, fight insurance companies, but as somebody who used to work for insurance companies in the past. I used to order IMEs on behest on behalf of my insurance clients. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the reason why insurance companies typically ask for an IME or, or demand an IME is because they disagree with your treating doctors are saying, and they want to see if they can hire someone to rebut that and give them a reason to cut you off benefits or to, or to not even approve you in the first place. Usually you see this after a person has been on LTD for a while, the insurance company says, go to an IME and we're going to uh, make an assessment afterwards as to what happens with your claim. Invariably, many of these doctors that insurance companies hire are hired guns. Now, they can be the best doctors in the world. They really can. But they also know who's paying them. And the reality is that there have been instances where some of these cases, you know how, John, I always say that these cases almost never go to trial. They almost never end up before a judge. Well, on the odd occasion, they do go to trial. And uh, in some of these cases, these defense doctors go on the stand. And in many cases, they get ripped apart by lawyers like myself who take them to pieces and, and show, uh, show them and their opinions for who they are. So they can be the best doctors in the world, but when it comes to the legalistic world, right, the LTD world, judges see through that. So what I want to do now, uh, just instead of going to the emails that we have piling up here, which we're going to get to in a moment, if you don't mind, I had a student just pull up some decisions from courts. Uh, in the last, I don't know, 10, 20 years, I'm just going to go through a few quotes from judges 
Love it. These are quotes from judges. Here's here's a case that was against Sun Life Assurance Company of Canada. The plaintiff there was Boerman. Okay, this is a BC case. And I'm going to go down to something that the court said here at paragraph 12. I'm quoting now from the court in that case. Any professional who prepares reports regularly, who loses objectivity, who becomes a hired gun for either plaintiffs or defendants, does a disservice to himself or herself and to their profession and to the courts. Triers of fact, which are the judges, are not unaware of the possibility of this happening, of a professional becoming an advocate for a party who regularly employs them. Now, I want to jump to another case here. This is interesting. Uh, and in here, the judge says, and I'm not going to mention the doctor by name because I think it's embarrassing, even though people can search this uh, this particular uh, case online and it's public knowledge. Uh, but I'll use just the doctor's uh, first initial. So here the judge says, but rather to the defendant's expert, Dr. F. Dr. F has been receiving a substantial amount of referral work from ICBC for many years. ICBC is the, for people in, in BC, they know this, that's the, 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 the publicly regulated company that uh, insures uh, cars. Uh, in 1999, he received $338,000 from ICBC. Whoa. And in 2000, he received 315000 from ICBC. These monies were received as payment for the preparation of what Dr. F. classifies as independent medical reports, which he says he prepares for the court. And then, paragraph 14, the judge says, I find Dr. F. was argumentative and condescending. His interaction with the plaintiff's counsel was akin to sparring indicating that he was more of an advocate than an independent professional. I give his evidence very little weight. Then there is another case here. I'm not going to go through all these, John, just to give you a flavor and our listeners a flavor. Here's a different case altogether. This has to do with Dr. G. The court here says, the judge says, for the foregoing following reasons, I have determined that Dr. G was acting as an advocate for the defense and as a result was not able and willing to provide fair, objective, and nonpartisan evidence. I have many, many more quotes here. My point is that judges see through this. Here's the problem, though. When a person who is on disability is told by an insurance company, you have to go to an IME, we've talked about this before, John, yeah. under the provisions of LTD policies, you have to attend an IME. There are some restrictions or some caveats to that, right? Insurance companies can't just do whatever they want with IMEs. But the key thing to understand is that an insurance company oftentimes will send you to an IME because they are trying to find a way to cut you off. And if they can get a doctor to tell them what they want to hear in writing, well, then they can use that as a, as a, as a, a reason um, to, to cut you off benefits. Now, how do you deal with that and how do we counteract that? We're going to get into that. But that, that memo that I mentioned on our website, ltdfaq.ca, where we talk about uh, IMEs, we talk about that there as well. There are a lot of ways to counter these IMEs. There are many things you need to know if you are told to do an IME in terms of how to act before, how to act during the IME, what to do after. The one thing I will say, John, before we uh, we take a break soon is that People often have questions and concerns. They're terrified of IMEs, and I understand why, because they're afraid that the insurance company is doing the IME for the reason that I've mentioned, which is to cut that's them right. off. And unfortunately, yep. that's correct. But we are here to help. If you have a concern about an IME, call us. We will guide you through it. We will tell you what you need to know. We will tell you what happens if the IME goes your way or goes the insurance company's way. You are not alone. That's what I'm trying to convey here. We can help you. The insurance company is not going to get away with it. 
Love it. Reach out by phone. Again, don't hesitate. Like we always say on this show, it's 1-855-821-5900. Help at disabilityrights.ca. And as Savannah just mentioned, that free and anonymous website, so easy to navigate. It's like Lego. You can't mess it up. It's all in simple English, not legalese, called ltdfaq.ca. Have a look at that too. And we'll take a short break and right back with more of the Disability Law Show. Hang on. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. Disability Law Show. You're tuned in. Good. Love having you here. You want to reach out to after the show uh, to Savannah, a member of his crew. It's uh, it's easy. They're always inviting you to call. It starts with that conversation. Get some clarity. Learn a bit while you're at it too, right? one 855 821-5900. Email help at disabilityrights.ca. Ask your questions there as well as correspond with Savan's team. And for any other questions, you can go to mydisabilityquestions.com. That's free. That's anonymous. It's built just for that purpose as well. Okay. First email of the show here, Savan. It's uh, short and sweet. Mike simply says, can I be terminated while receiving LTD benefits? So, Mike, this is a question that comes up quite often. And uh, back in the last segment, I mentioned that website we have about uh, ltdfaq.ca uh, that has memos about frequently asked questions about LTD. Well, there is actually a, uh, a memo there that deals with employment issues, terminations while on LTD. So check that out. But let me give you some of the answers right now. The answer is yes and no. And the reason I say yes or no is because technically under the law, uh, we have human rights legislation in virtually every uh, jurisdiction in Canada. So technically, an employer is not allowed to fire or terminate a disabled individual, but they still do it. And they do it sometimes because they don't care, because they're ignorant, or for just any other you know, reason. Uh, and, and so the question is, well, what happens if you are let go while you are receiving LTD benefits? Some of the questions I get, John, are, uh, does my LTD benefits, uh, do they get affected by my termination? Uh, what happens with my severance? Uh, how do I deal with the employer and the LTD if that happens to me? And again, those are all covered in the, uh, in that memo, uh, on that website. Uh, but, but let me give you some information right now, Mike, and for the rest of our listeners. Number one, if you are terminated while you are on disability, your employer not only has to pay you potentially severance, but also human rights damages. That's something that my firm deals with, right? Because we have a lot of employment lawyers and they deal with these kinds of issues all the time, each and every day. Across Ontario, Alberta, and BC, we deal with these issues. At the same time, you need to understand that your LTD benefits will not be affected in terms of your right to get them. Uh, that means that if you are terminated, but you're receiving LTD, your LTD benefits will continue. They don't end just because you've been let go from your job. Once you are accepted for LTD, the only way that you can really stop getting LTD is if you breach a term of the policy, of the LTD policy, or if you reach the maximum age limit, which typically is age 65, uh, or for some other reason, maybe you don't qualify anymore, you're better, you can go back to work, even though you don't have your job, you're still able to work. Uh, so any number of reasons, but just the fact that you were let go from your job does not mean that your LTD benefits cease. They don't. However, this is something very important to understand. And this is something that I keep emphasizing because you have a lot of employment lawyers who are not aware of this. And so they put their clients into a predicament. If you get severance uh, from your employer after you were let go, 
Many LTD policies contain provisions that uh, entitle the insurance company to a credit or a deduction for any severance you may receive or any other income. And so what that means is, imagine if Mike here is let go from his job while he's on LTD, and then he goes to an employment lawyer that doesn't understand the interaction between employment law and LTD. That employment lawyer is fantastic, gets Mike an amazing package for severance, let's say $50,000. And of course, the insurance company then finds out, because they're going to find out, and then says to Mike, oh, you got $50,000 in severance. Look at provision number, uh, section number 18 sub 1 sub 2 of your policy. It says that we're entitled to a credit for any severance received. Well, Mike finds out the hard way now that the insurance company is not going to cut off his benefits, but they're going to pause payments for LTD equivalent to the sum of the severance. And so if you think about it, what happens in that case is that the lawyer that Mike hired got paid, the insurance company gets a credit here, and Mike gets stuck only receiving a portion of the severance and not getting LTD now for that period of time. So then the question becomes, well, how do we deal with that? Well, there are techniques and ways to deal with the strategies. How to deal with the insurance company versus the employer. How to deal with human rights damages, which oftentimes are not a category of money that the insurance company gets credit for. You know, there are different ways to deal with this, but the point is, because we have both employment lawyers and disability lawyers on our roster in our offices, we know how to deal with these kinds of issues and we deal with them all the time. And you have to be very strategic and very surgical about this to maximize the amount of money that Mike is gonna be entitled to. So that's my message here, John, is that it can be quite uh, uh, nuanced and we have to be very, very careful to make sure that uh, you know we take care of both sides of the equation. It's not just the termination and the severance and the human rights damages, but it's the impact of any of those on the LTD payments themselves. Mike, thanks, pal, for that uh, that email. You can always reach out, of course, encouraged to reach out on the phone uh, now that you've uh, gone this far. one 821 5900 is how you do that. Let's get to Elizabeth. Again, help at disabilityrights.ca. Says, other people have recently helped me to realize that I might have accidentally made some omissions on my yearly update forms from the LTD insurance company. I have a disabled family member at home, so I've been helping with some of the caregiving. I didn't mention this because uh, it's not work or retraining or even volunteering. It's not a job. I don't get paid. Also, I hadn't been including my inheritance as any other income because I understand that it is assets. The finance guy is supposed to grow our assets without causing too many expenses or we never see this money just in case the LTD insurance company thinks that this is you know, any other income. Should I tell them about it? Should I fax the LTD insurance company to clarify? Do I need a lawyer to help me? How about that? Yeah, John, before I actually get into the, the meat of this uh, email, um, this was posted on our website, mydisabilityquestions.com. And, and mm-hmm. one of the things that I wanted to mention, which I highlighted here is, uh, you know, we have a section there where people fill out the question just to find out how they heard about us and, and about the website. And, and this lady here wrote Google search and then uh, a line, a hyphen, most positive reviews. Love it. And, 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 you know, it's something that you mention all the time, but I want to mm-hmm. just take a second and just mention that we're very proud of the fact that we are, we have the, the, the highest positive reviews for any law firm in the country. And it's just a fact. Like if you go on our website, you will see it. 
And it's indicative of the service that we provide. So it's not just providing information out there. It's when people hire us, you know, to help them with their matters, they are happy about it. We, we provide value for the service. So I'm really, really happy about that. And I'm really glad that this person actually uh, uh, mentioned that. And it's something that she was looking at. Let me get now to, uh, you know, the crux of her question. Now, there, there are a few elements there. Number one, Elizabeth, the fact that you are caregiving for someone in your household is not work, period. It's mm-hmm. not something that the insurance company can use against you. Can they try to use that against you? Yeah, they can try anything. I've seen insurance companies try the mo- most ludicrous things. I mean, I've had somebody, uh, uh, an insurance company say that because uh, this uh, one lady that I was representing who had um, mental health issues, depression, anxiety, a bunch of stuff that was very serious, because she was walking her five-year-old son to school every day and the school was no more than a few minutes away, they took that to mean that she's now able to work. And she had a very high, stressful, executive-type job and she was suffering from mental health illness. So you tell me how much sense that makes, right? To say that she's able to walk her son to school for a few minutes in the morning, somehow that makes her able to work 8 to 10 to 12 hours a day in a high-intensity job. Makes no sense. So the reason I'm saying this, Elizabeth, is because... Uh, no, volunteering does not mean that you can work. Uh, certainly, uh, helping uh, somebody at home in a caregiving capacity does not mean you can work. I don't know what kind of work you do necessarily, but no, insurance companies cannot simply use that against you successfully. That's number one. Number two, inheritance. Inheritance is not income. It's just not. Uh, now, I do want to put a caveat here. Whenever we're dealing with income type of questions, you know, do, do my stocks consider as income, my inheritance, my uh, uh, child support, whatever the questions are, we always look at the policy. There are some differences and nuances in the provisions in some of the policies that are different than others. So we always look, we go to the, to the sections in the LTD policy that we're dealing with, and we want to see how it describes the income loss that the insurance company is entitled to as a credit. And, and I'll tell you this, and this is important to understand. And this is nuanced, but I, I promise I'm not going to get any more legalistic than this. There is a principle, uh, a principle of law. Uh, there is called contra preferentum. Okay, some Latin for you. What it means is that if there is an ambiguity in the contract, in the policy, that ambiguity will be interpreted against the insurance company. And what I mean by that is this: if the insurance company doesn't specifically say that they're entitled to get inheritance as a credit then guess what? They can't get that. In other words, everything that diminishes or reduces a right that a person has under an insurance policy or an obligation that an insurance company has towards an insured person has to be interpreted very narrowly. Courts are not going to give insurance companies any room to breathe here. So if the if the provisions in Elizabeth's policy do not actually state that other income includes inheritance, well, then inheritance is not included. So, Elizabeth, you can look at your policy, and if it doesn't include inheritance, well, guess what? Then you don't have to to tell them because it has nothing to do with, uh, you know, with a provision. Uh, however, if you are earning certain money, even if the money is passive, whether you have uh, rental properties, whether you have stocks, whatever, 
you have to be a bit more nuanced and careful in your interpretation. And we're more than happy, by the way, to look at that for people if they have questions about that. And we'll do it for free, by the way. It doesn't take us a long time to do. It's a service we provide the public. So if you have a question as to what the insurance company can deduct or not, or what they can get credit for, we're more than happy to help you. It does have to do with the policy. So we're going to have to see the policy and we're going to have to understand from you what is the concern? What is it that the insurance company is purporting to say that they're entitled to a credit? Um, so again, I'm giving here sort of a broad answer. There are many caveats. Everything starts and stops with the policy. So we have to look at the wording and then we have to look at the facts of the case. And then we have to see what the rights and obligations are of the individual and of the insurance company. And then we can give you that advice. Excellent uh, email, Elizabeth. Appreciate that. And the information as well, uh, always given out. If anything is unanswered or confusing, follow up with a phone call. We always direct you to do exactly that. one 821 5900 want to start on Karen's email here before we got to take a break. But uh, as follows says, Ace of M, my critical illness claim was denied. I have stage three liver cirrhosis. It's denied due to an exclusion in policy of misuse of alcohol. Is this discrimination of a disease? Is it worth appealing or is this legal for a policy to have this? Wow. Yeah, this is a, it's a, it's a good question, Karen. First of all, I'm very sorry for what you're going through. I mean, listen, anytime I get questions about critical illness, you know, I'm reminded of my mother who many years ago was struggling uh, with cancer and, you know, we had to deal with a, a an issue with her critical illness and LTD. So I, I have, uh, you know, a soft spot for this on a personal level. And, and so, Karen, I will tell you that, you know, in my mind, it should be discriminatory, right? Because alcoholism uh, is a disability. Uh, I, I don't know that you'll be able to attack the policy on that basis. I will tell you, however, that exclusions, going back to my earlier point uh, with Elizabeth's uh, uh, email, they're interpreted by courts very, very narrowly. And so what is misuse of alcohol? What does the exclusion provision actually say? Is it worth appealing? I always tell people before you appeal any insurance denial to do with critical illness, mortgage insurance, uh, LTD, short-term disability, contact us. Before you do the appeal, you can, you, oh, you can always do the appeal, but we find many of these appeals completely useless. They're a waste of time. People get denied over and over and over. And so, Karen, I don't have enough facts here. I'd like to understand more. I'd like to read the actual provision of the policy that you're referring to, understand more about your condition, what the doctors are saying. But I can tell you we've helped many people, many people get money for their critical illness claims that insurance companies denied. Karen, appreciate it. As we get to a break, I'll give you that phone number again. You can reach out and talk even further, one 821 5900 Also, the option of mydisabilityquestions.com to ask questions as well. And we'll get back to another email after the uh, after the short break. Help at disabilityrights.ca. We continue. This is the Disability Law Show. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. All right. Welcome back. Disability Law Show. Still got some time, so we still got some time to read some emails and uh, make some people happy, give them some information. You can also reach out by phone anytime to Savan and his team. It's toll free, obviously, 1-855-821-5900, help at disabilityrights.ca. Cheryl, thank you so much. Uh, before I read this for uh, for taking the time and writing in, she says, I was uh, I caught a bit of your radio show a couple weeks ago. I was unable to tune in this past Saturday. I have a question, if I may. I have been on long-term disability since 2008, received a non-culpable termination in 2010. 
I understand that employment income would affect benefits, but in regards to the scenario in which my husband is now retired and when doing taxes, we will look at income splitting. Does this affect the benefit? Also, our financial advisors would like to move funds within my retirement portfolio, such as moving RSP to Lira or TFSA. Would this have any effect on my benefits? Thank you for your time. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Uh, Cheryl, first of all, um, thank you for your kind words uh, and for listening. Um, you know, you've been on LTD since 2008, so we're talking about a very long time. I mean, we're now, what, 2023? I'm losing count, John. Uh, so we're talking about quite a long time, right? Uh, 15 years, essentially. You're saying that you were let go, I'm assuming, without cause. So you were, just, you were let go from your job 2010, 13 years ago, and you said you understand that your employment income would affect benefits. Yes, they would affect benefits for the reasons we've outlined in the prior segments, which is that most LTD policies contain provisions that entitle the insurance company to a credit or a deduction for any income you receive. And again, we got to look at the wording of, of, of those provisions. And I say that because, like I said before, Everything starts and stops with the insurance policy. We have to look at the contract. That's what governs the relationship, Cheryl, between you and your insurance company. So you're saying that your husband is now retired, and when you're doing taxes, you look at income splitting. If you're, if you're, I mean, here's the situation. If it sh he's retired, so you're not earning income, and he's not earning income, right? So the reality is, whatever income splitting you're talking about, I'm assuming you're dealing with investments or, of sorts, uh, which is really what you're referring to. You're saying the financial advisors would like to move funds within your retirement portfolio, RSPs, Lira, TFSA, etc. We have to look specifically at your um, provisions of, of your LTD policy. You want to avoid a situation as as you are alluding to here, that somehow that is going to get captured by the provisions of your LTD policy such that your LTD will be decreased. Now, you are moving things around. You're not actually earning income, from my understanding, but you could give rise potentially with this allocation. I can see an argument from the insurance company. That's what I'm trying to say, that somehow because on your tax returns, uh, it shows that you've earned an income from this or that, they could potentially argue that that should be now deducted, irrespective of the fact that this was done for tax purposes. Presumably, it's all legit. It's, it's all lawful. Uh, so I think that, you know, in order to give you the proper answer here, we would have to look at the actual provisions of the policy and understand exactly what is being moved where to where, how it shows up on the financial documents. Uh, and even then, you have to understand that even if our view is going to be that the insurance company is not entitled to it, that doesn't mean that the insurance company is going to agree with us. Now, it could be that we are right on the law, but it could be that the insurance company says, oh, wait a second, Cheryl now shows that she has certain income from these investments. We are now going to deduct whatever it is from LTD. So you tell them no. Sivan says that according to my policy, it should not be deducted from my LTD. And they say, well, we disagree. Well, then the only option you have at that point to counter the insurance company is to hire us to go after them. So you see, my point is that you can end up being right because we can help you if we think that in fact the insurance company is wrong, but do you really want to get into that situation in the first place? Don't get me wrong, I'd be more than happy to get hired by you to help you, but I'm trying to also, John, avoid situations where people feel that they need to hire us. I'm trying to give information now to avoid these situations, these unpleasantness, uh, this unpleasantness with insurance companies. So, so Cheryl, my advice is 
Get in touch with us privately off air. Let me see the, uh, the your policy. Let me see the provision of your policy. Let me understand more a bit about your situation. Then I can give you more concrete advice on how to proceed. And it's not going to cost you anything for me to do this. Again, Cheryl, that phone number that uh, Savannah mentions, use it, one 821 5900. Let's get started on Kathy's email. She says, guys, I'm in the process of applying for LTD through the company that I work for. I've been given three forms for employer, employee, and physician to fill out. I guess my question is, should I include any other paperwork, such as doctor's notes when I send in my papers? I've been diagnosed with depression, panic attack disorder, and agoraphobia. I've also been told that before they make a decision, the insurance company will hire a private investigator to follow me around and try to discredit my claim. Is that true? Thank you, says Kathy. So Kathy, let me start from the end. I'm not sure who told you. You said you've been told that before they make a decision, the insurance company will hire. No, I have never seen that happen, never. Remember that private investigators are extremely expensive. Insurance companies are cheap. Those two don't go hand in hand. Insurance companies typically hire investigators. By the way, I'm talking from experience. I was on the I other know. side. Right? I worked for insurance companies. I was the. I remember situations where I told my insurance client, uh, "We need to hire an investigator. I just don't buy what the claimant is selling. I, I think I think that they're they're you know trying to pull the wool over our uh, you know our, our, our eyes." Yeah. And I would have adjusters saying, "No, it's too expensive." So, so the fact that insurance companies have billions of dollars, they don't want to spend that money. So my point to you, Kathy, is that it is, I've never heard of an insurance company hiring a private investigator at the outset of the claim, if it's a standard situation, standard LTD claim, to, to follow someone. Maybe at some point, a year later, two years, whatever, maybe there is some question marks. It's not even the first thing that they do, even if they do have question marks about your claim. They may send you to their own doctor. They may question you. They may do certain things. But to hire a private investigator and pay that person or that company thousands of dollars, they don't want to do that. Okay. Now, let me go back here. You're asking, uh, should I include any other paperwork such as doctor's notes when I send in my papers for my LTD application? Look, you need to fill out the application. No, your doctor has to fill out the application, your employer, everyone else. It needs to be as thorough as possible. And, he, and here's, here's the crux of it. It's not that you need to provide any other information. Yes, insurance companies operate by documentation. They review documents and that's how they make their decisions mostly. But it's not a volume of document issue. It's not like if you give them 10 inches of paper, they're gonna somehow approve your claim versus you know half an inch or, or you know two reports. The report that, or the, the, the section of the application that your doctor is filling, to me, is the most important one. The doctor has to not only provide your the information about your disability, but explain as thoroughly as possible why those symptoms, why that illness or injury is preventing you from working. And then the doctor has to provide an indication as to what the prognosis is. I mean, in my mind, at least. That is good. You don't need to have, you know, like I said, a 10-inch medical file sent to the insurance company. They're not going to be able to make heads or tails out of it. If anything, you may give them ammunition against you. No, focus, in my, that's my advice, focus on the forms the insurance company needs you to fill out and make sure your doctor is as clear as absolutely possible, as clear as day as to what the nature of your disability is, what are all the symptoms that are preventing you from working or making your ability to work hard, uh, and 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 you know send that out. And if you encounter any issues, if there are any problems along the way, please reach out to me directly to any of my team members. We'll be happy to help you and guide you, and we'll do all of that for free. 
And there you go. Kathy, love it. And uh, we're going to give you that number again before we just uh, slide into a break and get a couple more emails in the last few minutes of the show. one 821 5900 help at disabilityrights.ca for quick, easy-to-digest notations on LTD. There's several several topics listed there. It's in non-legalese language, so it's really easy to, uh, to navigate. That would be ltdfaq.ca. We'll continue a few minutes to go, so stick around. More of the Disability Law Shows on the way. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. All right, here we are back. A few minutes to go. Disability Law Show. Thank you if you contributed to the show today, as always, through email and mydisabilityquestions.com. And you can always follow it up with a phone call to Savannah and his team, one 821 5900 but that email address yeah help at disabilityrights.ca okay Lori is up next thank you Lori ahead of time before I, I read this she says I've been uh, on long-term disability for a few years still receiving pay rehabil- rehabilitation services which have just been stopped and I was told I would receive a call from someone to apply for CPP in the meantime the insurance company has sent a letter stating that they want me to see another psychiatrist, that a nurse will be calling me, and stated that they were aware my doctor advised them prior to this letter. She didn't feel it necessary because I had just seen one less than a year ago. Number one, do I need to comply? Can they overrule my doctor's advice? Number two, insurance company knows that through all my treatments, it is unlikely I will return to my old workplace. I know I'll be unable to return. What is the best way or best time to inform my employer? Do I have to inform them? Can the insurance company do that? Or do I have to stay technically employed or have another job to keep receiving benefits? Lori, that's an excellent uh, excellent uh, bunch of questions. Uh, let me see if I can tackle them here and also clarify a few things, which I think you're trying to tell me, which is that uh, you're seeing, number one, uh, uh, that the insurance company... Uh, or, or someone there is telling you that uh, they're going to tell you to apply for CPP. I think you mean CPP disability, which is something we haven't talked about for a while, uh, but it's something that we'll get back to. CPP disability uh, very quickly uh, is obviously government disability, and insurance companies typically ask people to apply for that, people who are on LTD, because if you get approved, the insurance company gets a credit for whatever amount CPP disability pays you. So there's nothing wrong with that, with them asking you to do that. And in fact, to be honest with you, I think that there are advantages for you to apply for CPP disability. And in fact, at our firm, we help people apply for that. You can actually hire some people at our firm. If you're having difficulties, if you've been denied CPP disability, we can actually help uh, with that kind of a claim. Now, you're saying here, the next sentence is uh, that the insurance company has sent a letter stating that they want you to be seen by another psychiatrist and that a nurse will be calling you about this. And your doctor apparently said that that, uh, she doesn't feel that it's necessary for you to see another psychiatrist because you saw one just less than a year ago. And then you ask, do I need to comply? And one one of the things I'm trying to understand here is, are we talking about IMEs? In other words, did the insurance company ask you to see a psychiatrist a year ago, and now they're asking you to see another one? If that is in fact the case, that raises a very interesting question for me, which is that, well, if you saw a psychiatrist that they hired you to see a year ago, and they didn't cut you off LTD, presumably that psychiatrist confirmed to the insurance company that you are disabled. 
Can they now see, have you seen another, uh, see another one a, a, a year later? The answer is it depends. I need to see the provisions of the policy specifically dealing with IMEs and the insurance company's right to have you assessed. Sometimes there are qualifications there in terms of uh, when it is that they're able to get you assessed, uh, in what context, etc. To me, it seems unreasonable that just a year ago they had you seen by a psychiatrist and now it seems like they want you to be seen by another psychiatrist. Seems to me like they're psychiatrist shopping. And what that means is that maybe they didn't get the opinion they wanted from the first psychiatrist and now they want you to be seen by another psychiatrist. That could get them into hot water. Remember we started the show, John, with me quoting from some cases where courts, judges have said that some defense and plaintiff experts come in as hired guns advocates uh, not being objective well this could be one of those situations here right if you have a psychiatrist a year ago hired by the insurance company who says this lady Lori is disabled from working and a year later nothing changed literally nothing the doctor her treating doctors are saying she's in the same state or even worse and now they have another psychiatrist that is assessing her the insurance company and that new psychiatrist says something different says that no she is fine to go back to work you have to question whether or not that new psychiatrist is really being objective or is doing the insurance company's bidding. So it's really important to assess that. So the question, Laurie, do I need to comply? We have to be careful with that. I need to understand more. I need to see the policy. I need to see the provisions that deal with the uh, the IME uh, uh, section. Uh, because I think that if you were to say to the insurance company, I'm not going to agree to see another psychiatrist, the insurance company could see that as a breach of your obligations under the policy and then say we're cutting you off so we want to make sure that if you in fact say that that you say that on the basis of law in other words that you have a leg to stand on i don't want you to say something to the insurance company only to get you into trouble so contact me after the show and i'll help you with that now you're asking can they overrule my doctor's advice no no ime doctors cannot overrule your doctor's advice if your doctors say you cannot work because you are disabled, well, guess what? You are not going back to work. You need to follow your doctor's advice. If the insurance company doesn't like that, tells you they're going to cut off your benefits, you call us immediately because we will help you. We deal with these issues all the time, and we force insurance companies to back off. Now, then you ask, the insurance company knows that uh, through all my treatments, it's unlikely I'll ever return back to my workplace. I know I will be unable to return, and what's the best way to inform my employer? That's something that I would want you to be speaking to, to one of our employment lawyers about. I honestly don't know what the answer is. I can tell you that if you are off work for a prolonged period of time, that could be frustration of your employment contract. It could mean that your contract comes to an end naturally, uh, but you probably want to speak with one of our employment lawyers about that. Uh, so John, again, uh, many, many issues here. I don't know how much time we have left, but you know, Lori, one thing I want to tell you, these are all good questions, and oftentimes, John, we see this interplay between employment law and disability law. We've we've seen this uh, throughout the show, and I encourage people, call us, call us. It doesn't cost anything to talk. We help people with long-term disability issues across the country, literally across the country, uh, and we're happy to do it. As long as you're empowered and you understand what your rights are, we are happy. If you retain us to help you, great. We're going to do the best job we can, and we're going to make sure that we you know, force the insurance company to do what's right. But don't be afraid to contact us. The advice is absolutely free. 
And we're just about out of time, but thank you for your contributions to the show today through email. You can always follow up with a toll-free phone call. Always encouraged to do so, right? one 821 5900 that email just in case you didn't get it or use it help at disabilityrights.ca you have the option of mydisabilityquestions.com and as mentioned uh, short concise easy to digest memos about ltd you can learn a lot here as well again free and anonymous ltdfaq.ca we'll catch you next time on the disability law show the preceding was a paid commercial program unless otherwise identified the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment.